to Capital Locust, the local government finance podcast from the United Nations Capital Development Fund. Talking local globally. This podcast explores ideas and thinking about the role of local government finance as an accelerator of international development in line with the Sustainable Development Goals and Paris Agreement. Good afternoon, Mayor Francisco de la Torre. It's a real pleasure to speak to you again. And as the host of the Global Coalition for a Financial Ecosystem that Works for Cities and Local Governments, I'm really looking forward to discussing with you how Malaga is dealing with the COVID crisis. So perhaps, Mr. Mayor, you could explain in the opening segment a little bit about how COVID has hit your city and uh, broadly speaking what your city has done about it in march april and may we were hit pretty hard like the rest of spain we had a period of stay-at-home orders where everyone was supposed to stay at home with their families and we had a very hard shutdown of the economy. There were thus significant consequences, not just for health. Our city of Malaga is in the province of Malaga. In the province, we have about 1.7 million residents living in a space of about 7,000 square kilometers. We've had about four or 5,000 cases of the virus and 300 deaths. Within the city itself, I believe we've had about 200 deaths. And now we are seeing less pressure on our hospital system. Initially, our hospitals were under a lot of pressure due to the number of cases. So we knew that we had to stop the growth of that trend by responding to the COVID-19 epidemic. This had immediate consequences on society. We helped by offering shelter, by helping people. We offered shelter for people living in the streets, the homeless, we supported 450 people across a number of different shelters. We also provided meals to families in need. Then there were economic consequences. During the summer, we had an issue. In Spain, and in Malaga particularly, like other major tourist cities, the economy was hit hard because of limits of the movement of people. So the service sector was basically dead because of the lack of tourists. We had hotels that were half empty, maybe at 45% occupancy in the city of Malaga. In Malaga province, there were fewer open hotel rooms. Restaurants were affected too. 
So anyway, we continued fighting to improve the health situation. This was largely dependent on policies from the national and regional governments. When it comes to public health, our municipalities don't have many delegated responsibilities. However, We've helped as much as we can. We helped by setting up a testing system using machines in our regional hospital, and those tests are very quick. We also helped provide personal protective equipment. We helped by doing disinfection in all of the city's residences for the elderly because we had issues there. So we did that in all these elderly homes. So that's what we've done from a health perspective. We've also had efforts related to the epidemic's consequences for society. To help the economy, we've turned to civil society and to businesses. We've held four forums. One was on tourism. Another was on innovation and technology. By the way, our communications and technology in industries in, are strong in Malaga, and they've really stepped up in this time of crisis. We had a third forum on construction of residential buildings, retail space, warehouse space, hotels, etc. The final forum was on business, industry, and transportation. We received 500 different proposals from civil society. Those proposals have been organized in terms of priority. We are now analyzing the size of the budget that will be needed. We are working with a specialist consultant who will help us align our efforts with the European Investment Fund. We are paying close attention to European, Spanish, national, and regional policies. Our local policy must fit into that higher-level framework. From a health perspective, here in the Andalusia region of southern Spain, we've had some of the best epidemic numbers in Spain. Madrid, Catalonia, the Basque Country, and Aragon have been the regions with the highest numbers of cases of COVID-19. Here, we've had fewer cases than that. But now, in the south of Spain, in Malaga, we're in greater danger because we're more open to the rest of the world. We have connections with Italy and other places that were badly affected by COVID-19. 19 during the first wave in March and April. So we've had to deal with the consequences of being Andalusia's so-called gateway to the rest of the world. During the summer, in the month of August, we had a lot of Spanish visitors, but fewer international visitors because other European countries placed restrictions on travel to Spain. So, we've had this issue where tourists are not necessarily as careful as they would be back home. They want to go to museums and do other vacation things, so they pay less attention than if they were back home. We think that in September, we'll still see a certain level of new cases, but the epidemic should peter out by December. This is particularly because we have some new rapid tests 
that give us results in 10 or 15 minutes at the point of care. And they're very accurate. That's awesome. We want to make these tests readily available because the staff of hotels, restaurants, and shops should be tested every week or every 10 days. This will offer a high level of security for the general public so that people can feel safe visiting these businesses. Even customers will be able to get tested. Perhaps businesses can even say, hey, if you come, we'll cover the cost of the test for you. Something like that. We can create a new system so that people can get back to work with new more effective measures in place in the near future with these rapid tests, which come from an American pharmaceutical company and are arriving soon in Spain. Perhaps my answer was a little long-winded. Not at all. In fact, it was a very helpful response because one of the things that we are putting out in this um, podcast series, which will be uh, broadcast globally to uh, other mayors and other cities around the world, is that if in, in effect, the response to COVID-19 is a local response, and you can see the difference between different cities, how they are responding. It's, uh, and the, that's where the resources should be directed in order for a country to recover. So the point we want to get across is that for a nation to rebuild itself from this crisis, it should actually think about its local governments as the beginning of the recovery process. And I think you have explained quite clearly why at the level of the city, you have the tools at your disposal and you also have the information uh, and the ability to do something uh, proactive to get ahead of the crisis rather than just responding to it. Uh, and so uh, thank you so much for that very detailed reply. I'd like to ask a couple of follow-up questions. Um, one of the big issues that many local governments are facing is the reduction in fiscal space. And you have talked about this with the reduction in tourism, and you have spoken about how the hotel industry, the restaurant industry, and the tourist industry in general has been affected. Now, I remember last time I was in Malaga seeing a, a really interesting presentation about your light rail that you are building, this new uh, system of transport. And I wanted to, to ask, uh, has this crisis affected your ability to uh, secure finance for these infrastructure projects like that transport project? Uh, and has the reduction in, in, in local taxes negatively impacted on your investment, uh, your investment um, plans? Over to you. Well, it seems like your question is actually several questions. The first is about fiscal pressure. We have funds allocated to different initiatives, like the light rail project that you mentioned, and then there's the issue of how we're dealing with budgetary revisions because of falling revenues. Well, we've been very flexible. In the first few months, we shut down everything. We closed outdoor and indoor dining. As such, we lost that tax revenue. Now, we've scaled back those measures and opened back up not all restaurants, but more than half of restaurants, both in the city center and outside the center, 
in different districts of the city. We are getting back to business as usual in our restaurants. So now we're going to look at how we can help these restaurants a bit more, for example, by reducing the taxes on restaurant tables located on public sidewalks and streets. The same is true for outdoor markets, like the big municipal market. If the market is closed, the vendors don't have to pay their occupancy fees. We have other small pop-up farmers markets in our different neighborhoods. So they're like on-demand markets in our different neighborhoods. We eliminated most of the taxes on them while they were closed. We did this for newspaper stands, too, on the street, for example. As for the metro rail project, we are continuing to work on that. It falls under the regional government. We've already completed the above-ground work, so if you come to Malaga again, you will see that things have changed a lot because the new regional administration is working a lot faster than the previous one. Work on the project is continuing underground, and they're finishing up installing wood and other things like that. The question of balancing the budget, that's a complicated one. The Spanish central government gave us an option. Every year, we balance our budget between revenues and expenses. In general, in Spain, local governments have a very healthy financial position. They don't run deficits. It's the central and regional governments that do the deficit spending. In general, Spanish municipalities run a surplus. Since the 2008 economic crisis, and particularly since the national government passed a law in 2011, We've had to use budget surpluses to pay down our debt if we have debts with the financial system, for example. We can only spend our surpluses to make financially sustainable investments. We received permission for some very urgent social spending so that we could spend up to 20% or a little over that of the savings from the previous year. So we could spend 8 or 9 million euros without affecting our balanced budget for the year. But, of course, for 2020, our revenues have fallen. We don't have the final numbers yet, but I'm sure that our budget is no longer in balance. We've had greater expenditures and less revenue. We're going to have to come up with a solution. In fact, this week in Madrid, the parliament is going to debate a bill that would allocate more funding to municipalities. However, there has been a disagreement between most municipalities and the national government on the strategy for how to deal with this issue. We'll have to see what happens in the next few days. So we're having discussions on how to balance our budgets. 
It also looks like the regional governments are going to receive, uh, I think it's like 16 billion euros from the European Union. In total, so 16 billion euros from the European Union. The Spanish Federation of Municipalities and Provinces requested 5 billion euros. Then, the budgets for public transportation are no longer balanced. For example, in the city of Malaga, our public transportation continued to operate through the health crisis in March and April, and the system lost a lot of revenue because the buses were almost empty. Buses would be operating with just 7 to 9 percent of their normal ridership. So the deficit for the city's public transportation company is now 14 or 15 million euros. For us, that's a lot. But we had to keep the buses running. We reduced their frequency a little bit. Now, for the year overall, we're at just, just over 50% of normal yearly ridership. In terms of our strategy, the national government is required to provide funding for cities with public transportation. And all cities in Spain with 50,000 residents or more must provide public transportation. This includes provincial capitals, for example. I'm hoping that with the funds from the European Union, the national government, and the regional government, we'll be able to do what we need to do, according to the spending rules for 2020 and 2021. For the moment, I don't have a definitive answer, because I have to wait and see what happens in the national parliament this week. Very clear. Thank you so much indeed, Honourable Mayor. I think just following on from that, and I think this is what will be interesting for others, um, do you think that the European Union package that was agreed will reach uh, local governments, for example, in Spain? The fact that there will now be these um, mutually uh, guaranteed euro bonds between the, the different European countries. This is a new form of financing. That's my first question. Yeah. And my second question is, one of the things with, that has happened is a lot of uh, commerce, a lot of business has gone to the digital platforms, even Amazon and uh, others. Uh, and of course, they need local services because their trucks, they drive along local streets, local roads, but they don't pay local taxes. Is there any thinking about how to recoup or, or how to collect a fair and just uh, share of the taxes from, from these companies, these internet companies, these digital companies that are making large amounts from this crisis, but not contributing to the communities that they are serving? There are two separate questions. Over to you. Those are very interesting and important questions. First, the question about the European Union. Spain is a very centralized country, and it always has been. It's very centralized at the national government level. We enacted some changes with the 1978 Constitution. We created a more decentralized system with regional governments. However, 
we fell back into our old ways. We created a network of regional governments that is, in its own right, very centralized. Each regional government is very centralized. All government agencies, all issues are handled by the regional authorities. They forgot about decentralization until recently. A new administration took over in Andalusia. I mentioned this before with how the metro project is now moving along faster. The regional government now works more closely with municipalities, in my opinion. There's greater transparency concerning what's going on with the funds from the European Union. With the previous regional administration, we had no way of knowing what was happening with EU funds. It was hard to follow their reasoning. Now we have more clarity. Centralization comes with a certain inertia. It's not easy to bring about change. The central government says jurisdiction over housing, education, health, and social services belongs to the regional government. Our position was that if the municipality can do it more effectively and for cheaper than the regional governments, then the municipality should be involved too. The regional government is required to apply what we call in Europe the principle of suzerainty, which means that what the municipality is capable of doing should be done by the municipality, not the region. And what the region is capable of doing should be done by the region, not the national government. The idea is to bring decision-making and democratic dialogue closer to the people. So what's going on? The Spanish Federation of Municipalities and Provinces is promoting the idea that EU funding should be shared with cities at least in the same proportion that cities make up across all national budgets. If we add up the budgets of the national government, of the 17 regional governments, plus the cities of Ceuta and Melilla, and of all 8,000 municipalities in Spain, then we get the 100% total of government spending in Spain. Municipalities and provinces make up about 14 or 15% of that total. That's a very low percentage. Generally in Europe, it's more like 30% or even 50% in the Northern European countries. There are different ways to share funding with municipalities. You can do so directly. We're not very hopeful for that because in all the years that we've belonged to the European Union, since 1986, the sharing of funding with municipalities has been at very low percentages, ridiculous amounts like 10 million euros, 8 million euros per year, 12 or 15 million, very low numbers. I'm talking about for Malaga with its 600,000 residents. It's also possible to share EU funds by combining them with funds administered at the regional or national government level. The European fund can say, we'll put up 80% of the funding, and the member state has to provide the remaining 20%, and Spain can provide that 20%. There are different ways to do this, but it largely depends on trust and transparency between the different levels of government.
It also depends on the ability of the political parties to put the public interest and the interests of the state above the strategies of each party. That's how I see it. So I'm hopeful, but we'll have to see what happens. The other question about Amazon and such, that's an interesting one. During the forum we held to talk about businesses, there was talk of creating a platform, an equivalent, dedicated to local Malaga businesses to help them compete with Amazon. It would be fast and direct, just as fast as Amazon, if not faster. Of course, that's not easy. There would be different distribution centers, and we would carefully organize the logistics so that goods can get to customers very quickly, because Amazon is all about offering a lot of stuff as fast as possible and at the lowest price possible, something like that. Now, your question was was about taxes. That's a big issue in Europe. You know, Europe has had disputes with the big American tech companies like Google and Apple about taxes. The, the issue is that these companies earn a lot of revenue across Europe, but only pay corporate taxes in the United States or in Ireland, since some of them are based in Ireland. Now, we're looking at things differently. We're asking how our local businesses in Malaga can take advantage of e-commerce. We're also asking how Malaga can take advantage of remote work. We see opportunities for the city of Malaga with remote work, not just for our local government. We have 1,500 or 1,600 city workers working remotely in Malaga, but we can also use the situation to attract talent. There are people working remotely in California, Boston, Berlin, or London. They can come live and work in Malaga if their companies allow them to do so. Those workers can actually make their pay go further because it's cheaper to live in Malaga. They can pay somewhat less for an equal or better standard of living compared to the country where they live now. So we should take advantage of these opportunities of remote work, although I know that's not easy, but we can work on ideas like that. Well, thank you um, very much for that answer. With regard to the second answer, I think I would be a candidate for living in Malaga if I had the opportunity. So I think uh, your city has an awful lot to say going for it. It's, it's a wonderful place to live. And so I think that is a very inspirational way of dealing with the, the, the problem you raised. The first part of that um, second answer uh, it's interesting, we are holding in November a forum to which you will be invited that is about uh, rebuilding a local fiscal space, El Spaso Fiscal Local, in uh, 2021. And it will bring together development banks, mayors, and other actors. And we're, we're hoping to look at some of these innovative strategies. I like the idea of a, a local version of Amazon, a kind of local platform, because as you probably know, with Amazon, Uber, Airbnb, all of these platforms, there is quite a big profit margin that is taken. And if that could be reinvested back into a local economy, if there could be a platform provided, which is just as quick, just as efficient, but the proceeds could be reinvested back into the local economy, 
that could be a way to build businesses and jobs in cities that are facing this issue. Uh, with regard to the European Union, I, I find that your answer very interesting. Um, we are also working in South Africa, for example, with the Development Bank of South Africa and with the French Development Agency, uh, AFD, on ways in which some of these international packages of support to developing countries, this debt relief, could also be accessed by local governments, part of it. And I think this 80-20 formula, something like that, works. The key, as you put it, is to persuade the central government and the government of the day in any country that, in fact, their country, the nation, will grow quicker by going for 80-20 than keeping everything uh, in the capital. It will actually benefit the whole nation, and so the government will look good. They, they need to think, like, uh, the, see the bigger picture. So I, I find that very inspirational, again, the, the way that you put that 80-20 formula. Um, this podcast will be broadcast along with others interviewing other mayors. We've already interviewed the mayor of Chef Chouen in Morocco, and uh, there are others that we are, we are talking to. And I wondered if you had a message for your fellow mayors who are also um, passing through this, uh, this crisis. Another colleague we interviewed, of course, was the mayor of Nahapa in El Salvador. So we're, we're covering all continents. So what would be your message, if you had one, to your fellow mayors that are passing through this? Uh, over to you. Well, it's difficult to offer a message that applies to everyone equally, but I think that the key factor is to get a good handle on the health crisis. That's essential so that you can get your economy back to normal. While we're waiting for a vaccine, there are opportunities offered by new rapid tests that are cheap, less than five euros each, and provide results within 10 to 15 minutes. A system of rapid testing can help bring back together businesses and their workers, businesses and their customers, by providing a level of confidence, which is essential for a lot of economies. There are industrialized economies and others relying on telecommunications technologies that have not been very affected by the crisis. They've been able to keep working because they're perfectly adapted to working remotely. But the services sector, particularly services related to tourism and many retail businesses, need to be able to reopen. We need to look at how we can collaborate with health agencies at all times. We have a campaign underway to get people using a mobile app called Radar COVID. So Radar COVID is a mobile app. This idea of a contact tracing mobile app started in South Korea and Singapore. It's now been adopted in a number of European countries. We've just started adopting it in Spain in the last two weeks. I think, across our region. The thing is, you need participation from a large percentage of the population. If two phones with the app are within two meters of each other for at least 15 minutes, the system records that contact. If a person with the app tests positive, 
the system will notify all of those contacts with that person. We can combine that with a rapid diagnostic system. We want to locate where the virus is at and cut the chain of transmission. So anyone who has been in contact with a positive person gets a message saying that they may have been contaminated with the virus. The thing is, with this system, you have to really educate the public and explain how it works. We need to educate people about wearing masks, washing their hands, practicing social distancing. These are crucial recommendations while we're waiting for a vaccine and implementing rapid testing systems. We need to be talking with people. We need to have direct relationships with businesses, shops, hotels, restaurants, transportation providers, with everyone, so that we can provide a society-level response. Among all the levels of government, local governments are closest to the people, and they have confidence in our ability to respond. As I said before, Spain is a country with a very weak local government. Our local governments only make up about 14 or 15 percent of all public spending in Spain. Meanwhile, in Germany, France, Italy, it's more like 30 or 35 percent. In Northern Europe, it's 50, 55, 60 percent, etc. But our local governments are capable of responding. In addition, we need cooperation between the different levels of government, local, regional, and national, for economic recovery policy. We also need cooperation at the European level. It's very important that we make sure that we don't have many businesses go under. We must save our businesses. That is the key to recovery. We need that opportunity to create new jobs. So that's my advice. Local governments are closest to the problem and can provide the best responses. And you must maintain strong dialogue with people. Yeah, well, thank you so much indeed, uh, Francesco De La Torre. Uh, once again, a real pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I hope that very soon we will be meeting again, if not uh, in person, then at least virtually, and we will send you the details of the event in, in November. But I really appreciate your time uh, for appearing on this uh, broadcast. Please give my regards to Julio and Deborah and the whole team and to you and your family and all the best wishes from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. That's very kind of you, David. Julio Andrade has been here listening to the conversation. So we, we thank you for your kind words. And we talked about the possibilities of remote work in Malaga. People in the UN agencies should be thinking about that because we can offer a cheaper cost of living for a lot of those people. Right. Thank you so much.
Hope you enjoyed this episode. This is Capital Locust, the local government finance podcast from the United Nations Capital Development Fund. Thanks for listening. See you next week. 